before we get started, I just want to give a shout out. You know, we, we regularly extol the virtues of uh, our, our tech team, the magnificent human beings that they are, and you can clearly see what the worship team and, and the praise team do, um, the musicians and the vocalists. Uh, I want to shout out a couple folks, uh, particularly this morning, that you know you might not be aware of, but you've certainly been ministered to by this morning. Uh, David Lane was out here in his plow truck. Um, before any of us, you know, started rolling into the building, he was making sure the uh, parking lot was plowed. And then uh, our own warm and fuzzy Phil Byers was over here a little bit earlier, clearing sidewalks, uh, shoveling them, salting them, making sure that we could all access the building safely. And so uh, I just want to give a shout out to them. And, uh, and uh, yes, yes. Also, a little... You might not notice this, but it's it's huge. There's more pipe up here on the on the pipey thing on the ceiling, and that was Nate. Nate was over here putting pipey stuff on the pipey. So, thanks for the pipe, Nate. I appreciate that. All right. All that being said, look, I recognize what today. And right now, there may be some of us in the place who have our minds somewhere else. We're distracted. I recognize there is an important football game on today. Let's just put that aside for a minute, because I assure you, at the end of the day, Manchester United will have beaten Leeds United, taken the three points, and secured their position at third at the top of the Premier League table. So relax. It'll be fine. All right. Don't, don't come at me with your heathen, pagan, barbarian ways, okay? I am not going to have that conversation this morning. Um, okay. That being said, I do, I, I feel like, I feel like I I want to cover this morning, so I'm going to try to move through it quickly. So, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of broad strokes here, so just come with me as we go. And uh, I truly, I value your time. I will try not to drag this out any longer than I need to to share what I have to share this morning. So we are in the second week of our series, Got It Work. That's the title of the series, Got It Work. Um, we're looking at the way God moves, God works not only in us individually, but in the church, and how those two things oftentimes can flow together. God's work in us, God's work in the church flow together into one larger body of work, and oftentimes, um, you know, so sometimes the sum of the parts is greater than the whole kind of thing, and when God is, is in the mix, when God is providing that's what happens. So last week, we talked about, what was last week? Road work ahead? Was, was this your sign last week? Sorry, we're again. Uh, today, we're talking about rough road. Rough road in us individually and in the church. Next week, Tracy's going to come back. He's going to talk to us about yield. So do be here to catch that. So I want to share with you a story. It's out of the Bible. You can follow with me if you want to, but I don't have all the references until I get to the very end. There was a guy named Joseph. Joseph was a punk kid. There, I'm not revealing to you anything you didn't know. If you read the story, Joseph was kind of a punk kid. Why? Baby of the family. And, and admit, I mean, this wasn't like, this was, you know, older, younger. I had that dynamic growing up. Clearly, the superior older Versus the younger. This was this was the younger in like a family of ten. So he was the baby of the family. And he could do no wrong. And not only could he do no wrong, he knew he could do no wrong. And he was sure to let all the other ones know he could do no wrong. And what did that cause? Hatred. They hated the baby of the family. Now I'm not I don't I don't know your family dynamics. I am not talking about they hated the baby of the family the way maybe you did growing up. They hated the baby of the family. Let's murder him. Let's murder the 
I mean, me and my brother, a little bit. Might have shot him with a BB gun once or twice. Never intentionally thought about murdering him. That's how this story starts. So one day, brothers are out in the field. They're doing their thing. They're tending the sheep, all that kind of stuff. Dad, oblivious to everything in the world, dads, goes, hey, baby of the family, why don't you go check on your older brothers and tell them daddy said so? So baby of the family comes out to the field and is like, hey, you guys, can dad tell me to? Can dad love me the most? Hey, don't you like my jacket? And they're like, that's it. That's it. Today, you die. And really, they were like this close. They were this close to murdering him. But then, an older, wiser brother said, no, 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 no. This is not right. It is not right that we have the blood of our brother, the son of our father, on our hands. This is wrong. Let's sell him and make some money and still get rid of him. And all the other brothers went, that's why you're the dad. I don't remember clearly. I'm pretty sure it was probably the oldest brother that came to that. So they had dropped him in a well as they were preparing to murder him. They bring him back up out of the well. They sell him to slave traders who take him away to Egypt. Time passes. He gets to Egypt. He's a slave. I think at this point he doesn't even have his really magnificent jacket anymore. But God is with him. He's traveling a rough road. He's going through some things. And he is only at the start of his rough road. But God is with him. In the course of the experiences he goes through, he finds himself a servant in the house of the captain of the guard. And he's like, you know what? Here I am. This is not where I want to be. This is not how I want my life to look. I am at a terrible spot, but things could be worse. God is with me. I am going to do my utmost to honor God and make the best of the situation I find myself in. And he did. He stepped up. He started He started working. He started serving diligently this new master he had, this slave master. He's working diligently. He's working hard. And he is proving himself to be good and worthy and diligent to the point where the, his slave master is, is starting to not recognize him as a slave anymore, but as a good, worthy, trusted servant. And in our minds, there may not be much of a distinction there, but in this, in this economy, there was. I mean, it's one thing to be a lowly slave, you know, doing like, the bear, I mean, cleaning the grease trap, cleaning out the refrigerator at the office, you know, that kind of work. Joseph is, is turning into a bit of a trusted advisor. He's being given one of his master's house because that's how much his master trusts him. Then, wait a minute, did all the children go to kids' work? Because, you know, it didn't occur to me before, but now, you know, the story takes me. One day, Joseph's working the house, he's doing this thing, and his master's wife goes, wait a minute. You're a bit of all right looking, you are. You're a bit of a tart, aren't you? And things go bad. Things go bad. Because he's like, he recognizes, I, I am in a precarious situation. My situation was precarious to begin with. I am a slave in a foreign land. At any moment, my master could come in the house. He's having a bad day. Instead of kicking the dog, he kicks me and I'm dead. I am not in a great position to begin with, and now his wife is making moves. So he's like, he jumps up and runs. No, he still does have his glorious jacket because he leaves his glorious jacket behind. He gets up and runs. He's like, you know, in any temptation, the Lord will make a way for you to flee. In this particular instance, the way to flee is to jump up, jump out the window of the house and run away. This is what he does. Wife is just embarrassed and humiliated. She's got to have a story. And so she comes with a story that does not cast our hero Joseph in a good light. So they catch Joseph, and the slave master's like, I can't, bro, I can't even believe you. You were like, you were like a son to me. 
I trusted you. I loved you. I put you in charge of all that I valued and possessed. And you do me like this. You could have killed me in that moment. But God is still just. And so, by God's overwatching eye, by God's blessing, Joseph is carried away and cast into the deepest, darkest pit of a dungeon that Egypt has. It's good when God blesses you in your life. And in this deep, dark dungeon, he rots for a long time. I mean, in the, the musical uh, DreamWorks version, it's like an entire song montage that he is in this dungeon. And again, he finds himself in a position where he's like, you know what? I can dwell in the midst of my darkness and misery, and I can just soak in this, and I can stew in this, and I can be downcast, and I can let my mind dwell on dark things, or I can embrace where I am. I can embrace the goodness and wonder and presence of God, and I can make the best of this rough road that I'm traveling. And so he steps up, and he starts serving. He starts going, what can I do? What can I do to be of value? What can I do to help my, my fellow prisoners? How can I be a blessing to them? And then, and then to the guards in the prison, he's like, you know what, I'm here anyway. Why not make things easy? Well, what can I do to help you guys out? And he starts proving his worth and his value and his goodness. And he, God's blessing him, and he allows that blessing to flow through him into the lives of those around him. Even in the midst of his rough road, he is blessed and a blessing. And so there's a cupbearer who used to serve the Pharaoh. And there's a baker who used to serve the Pharaoh. And they both have some weird dreams. Weird dreams are like a staple of the Old Testament. Not like the, you know, you had pizza with olives and went to bed and then had weird dreams. These are like some weird prophetic God talking to you weird dreams. So he's telling them the dreams and he goes to one and he goes, you, you're going to get out of here. You're going to be restored. But then about like three days later, King's gonna kill you. Yikes. The other one, he's like, you know what? You're gonna get out of here. You're gonna be restored to your service, and and you are gonna be honored. You are gonna grow in esteem in the Pharaoh's eyes. And bro, when you get there, do me a solid. Get me out of here. So cool. Sure enough, time passes. They both get out of jail. One guy, restored to his position, lasts about three days. King's like, you know what? I hate you. You're dead. They take him away and they kill him. Because you're a king, you can roll like that. You can just be like, you know, I don't like your face today. It was fine yesterday, not today. Just take him and kill him. The other, I believe it was the cupbearer, he's restored and he's living good. He's living so good, he forgot the fact that he had a little bro back in jail who was like, hey, going to give you some good news, but remember me when the time comes, and he completely forgets it. Time passes. Another musical montage. King, pizza, olives, dreams at night. He's like, I don't even know what this means, and he's, sent, he's getting all his advisors together. He's getting all the wise men, the satraps, the wisdom tellers, the speakers, the seers, all the guys who interpret dreams, bringing them all in. He's like, this is, this, this, somebody tell me what's happening. Nobody can tell him. All of a sudden, the cupbearer's like, wait a minute. Lord, one time, I had this weird, funky dream. Yeah, pizza, olive. Yes, me too. And I didn't know what the dream meant, but there was this guy I was in jail with. And he told me what the dream meant. Not only did he tell me what the dream meant, but he was going to kill me. And the king's like, go forth and bring me this man. So he goes forth. They bring Joseph. Joseph's like, hey, everybody, glad to be here. What can I do for you? See, see, rough road, at the very least, baby of the family got humbled a little bit. So God can do miraculous things. King says, I had a dream. He said, yes, you did. Let me tell you what the dream means. All your people are going to starve to death because a famine is coming and it's going to kill everybody. 
things like that is not good news. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I have an idea. Joseph lays out this entire plan about how he is going to save the nation of uh, Egypt. This nation he has been enslaved to. He's like, I am going to save this nation. And the king's like, I like it. I like where your head's at. I like what you're saying. Let's put this kid in charge of everything. Everything. He's going to be the number two guy in the entire nation after me. Here's how things work. You have a problem. Go talk to him. No, 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 not, not, not Joseph, the king. To have like the number two guy, and you're like, take everything to him. I'm going to be out on my boat. And so they bring everything. They put Joseph in charge. Joseph starts coming. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, we're going to have fields. We're going to take in harvest because the the famine's not here yet, but it's going to be coming. So what we're going to do? We're going to take part of every harvest for the next couple years, and we're going to put it away. We're going to put it away. We're going to put it away. We're going to put it into savings for the rainy day. And then when the rainy day comes, we're going to have a savings we can rely on so nobody has to die. Everybody's like, I don't know what all that means, but the king said you're in charge, so we're going to do it that way. Sure enough, they put it all away. Then the famine comes. Then when the famine comes and all the nations are around them are starving, Joseph's going, okay, rainy day's here. Let's start shoveling it back out a little bit. And he did such a magnificent job in preparing for the rainy day that not only do they have enough to feed the entire nation of Egypt, but people from surrounding nations start coming in and go, dude, we heard you guys got like food and stuff. And, and Joseph's like, yeah, what do you have? Uh, money. Sure, take money, give them some food. What do you have? I got no money. No, I got no. I got sheep. Okay, take his flock. Here's some food. Other people come. What do you have? I got no sheep. I had to eat them all. I got no money. Couldn't sell anything. I have land. Give him some food. And in the process of saving Egypt, Joseph builds Joseph, son of the patriarchs, father of the Hebrews, is growing and enriching Egypt. Get why that's a thing, right? Okay, that's cool. I'm going to circle back. You're going to get it. Cut scene. Flashback to the promised land. Back to Canaan. Bunch of brothers sitting around. Going, man, I'm hungry. And these are the other brothers that sold them into slavery. Hmm. Things are not gone so well for them. That little bit of money they sold from selling that they got from selling baby to the family, that got used up. But you know what didn't get used up? The guilt they still bear from having broken their father's heart. It weighs on them each and every day in a way that, that far surpasses the physical misery they're going through from being in a famine. And so they're like, you know what? I'm hearing down in Egypt, I'm hearing they got food. Why don't we gather everything together that we've got, and we'll go down there, and we'll get some food, and we'll bring it back, and we'll take care of Dad, and we'll do what we can do. They get down there. Joseph's overseeing things. He's handing out the food. I'm not going to get into all the intricacies of it because he makes them pay a little bit. He makes them pay. You know, there will be forgiveness for all, but there will be some payment first. I can appreciate that. At the end of the day, Joseph's got his brothers who don't recognize him. Last time they saw him, he was this big. Joseph kicks everybody out of the room, and he turns to his brothers, and he takes off his wig or his hat or whatever it was he was wearing. He's probably wearing a baseball hat and sunglasses because that is the impenetrable disguise. If you have a baseball hat and sunglasses, nobody can identify you. So that's probably what he was wearing. He takes it off, and he looks at his brothers, and in Genesis 40, chapter uh, 45, And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. You sold me here. You put me here. I am here because of what you did, but it was God who sent me here. 
God used the evil you did, but God was behind this all. It's a rough road, but it's God's rough road. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. You did this wickedly evil, terrible thing to me. Not necessarily undeserved, but certainly disproportionate. But even though you think you did it and you're feeling bad and you're feeling guilty, God was behind this. You intended to do this evil thing. You intended to do me harm, but God said, I am going to use these evil motivations. I am going to use this rough road you are about to travel down, Joseph, for good. See, God has preserved Joseph through all the trials and tribulations he's gone through. God has preserved him, but God is not in the business of an individualist. God works in us individually, but God views us as a community. Every time you read in the New Testament, you read a letter that Paul wrote, you read a letter that Peter wrote, and it says you, you, you. He's not talking about you. He's talking about you. He's talking about a church. He's talking about a community of believers. God is working in the individual for the benefit of the larger collective you that is the community. And so he was doing here. God was working in Joseph for the betterment, for the blessing of his family. Joseph tells him, God put me here so that I could be here at this right moment to take care of you when this happens. And there's weeping and crying and everybody's happy and, you know, the brothers go north and they grab dad and they're like, so, funny story. Um, remember, like, 30 years ago, we told you that our little brother got torn to pieces by wolves and stuff, and we even brought you, like, his jacket with blood all over it, and we were like, look, he's dead. Um, so he's not. And now he's basically an Egyptian, and he's going to save us from the famine. Uh, I think the only thing that saved them at this point is that at this point, uh, Dad is so old, he didn't understand two-thirds of what they said. He heard, he's still alive, and nothing else matters, which I think freaked him out. And so they bring Dad down. They reunite in Egypt. Pharaoh puts aside this, this pleasant land, this pleasant braving, grazing land, perfect for a community who raises sheep. See, raising sheep would have just been vile and disgusting. The Egyptians. They were like, look, you, you can't bring that here because, you know, ever seen a Western where it's like the cattle guys versus the sheep guys? It was kind of like that. And so they're like, you can't, you can't bring that nonsense in here because, ew. But we got this really great place with tall grass. We didn't know what to do with it. If it seems like something that would be beneficial to you, you can totally move in there. It's a land of Goshen. This is where these people and their descendants will live until their entire nation is enslaved by the Egyptians. See, Joseph has built up and strengthened the nation that will turn his descendants into slaves. And it's easy to look at that and go, Joseph. So cool, God has a design in this. I just read to you from Genesis chapter 45. God lays out his plan for this moment right here hundreds of years earlier in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. <clears throat> 
Then the Lord said to Abram, okay, this is like Joseph's great-great-grandfather. And at this time, they were living like 300 years of shot. So we're talking several hundred years prior to the events I've just related to you. The Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. See, what, what is about to happen to Joseph and his descendants is not news to God. When bad times come into our lives, when we are facing the rough road, it is not news to God. He saw it coming. And whether that rough road is just the result of us living in a fallen and broken world, or that rough road is a direct result of less than wise decisions you yourself have made, God has seen it coming. God knows every step of that road. He knows what's at the far end of that rough patch. And he knows how to get you through. And he knows how to use it for good. Your descendants will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they, this descendant, these generations yet to come, shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay, he's telling you, see, all this stuff's going to happen. Your descendants are going to be slaves. They're gonna be, it's going to be awful. It's going to be like 400 years. It's going to be rough. And then, oh, by the way, the Amorites. What? What do they have to do with anything? The Amorites are the curse. Of Canaan. The Amorites are the cursed wickedness of God's promised land. And their wickedness has not yet been fulfilled. Because as wicked as they are, generations earlier when God's talking to Abram, they have so much badder to get. They have so much worse to do. And so, as a result of a famine, God is going to take the seed of the nation of Israel. And he is going to remove them from Canaan. He's going to remove them from the promised land, and he's going to put them down here in Egypt. And he's putting them in Tupperware. It's not great. Imagine, you wouldn't want to be locked up in Tupperware, but you would be well-preserved. He has removed them because were they to remain in the promised land where they originally lived, they would be subject to the wickedness, to the cursing, to the false gods of the Amorites. They would be destroyed as a seed before they ever got a chance to grow. And so God goes, here's what's going to happen. These guys are going to get so much worse. But I'm going to let them get worse until it's time to destroy them. So I'm just going to leave them to themselves. In the meantime, I am going to take you guys all out of here. I am going to bring you to this place. It's not going to be great, but you're going to be okay. You're going to survive. You will not be tainted by the false religion and the wickedness of these people. You're going to be okay, and you're going to grow. And you're going to grow from a family to a clan, and from a clan to tribes, and from tribes to a nation. Because when you are in difficult circumstances, if you do not die, you grow. Growth is the only way to survive hard times. Growth is the only way to get through the rough road. And God goes, and then what's going to happen is, when you've grown, when you're ready, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to raise you up, and you are going to destroy this wickedness. You are going to take everything they have. And then I'm going to bring you back here to the land I wanted you to possess to begin with. And you are going to be strong enough and powerful enough and numerous enough to destroy this wickedness as well. 
Joseph, I preserved you in your rough road so that generations from now, your people, your seed, could serve me in stamping out the wickedness of the earth and establishing a nation for my people. God works in the individual for the betterment of the community. It's a great story. Wow. What does it mean for me? So glad you asked. I was just getting there. See, it's, it's no good. It's no good to stand up here and share great things from the Bible, great things God has done, unless it means something to us where we live. As you sit here this morning, you have traveled rough road. In your past somewhere, you have had hard times. You have had tough, tough circumstances. And hopefully, you were walking that rough road with God, and he got you through. And he blessed you, and he sustained you, and he grew you. He grew you in strength and faith and the power of the Holy Spirit so that the person you were when you emerged from that stretch of rough road was bigger and stronger and more confident and more powerful in the Spirit than when you began. And whatever rough road we've traveled, our rough road, each individually that we travel, have led us here, right now, in this moment, together. If you are sitting here this morning, if you are hearing me over video this morning, God led you from wherever you came from to this place with these people in this moment. Does God do things randomly or does God do things with a purpose? See, because apart from your rough road, I think if you've been with us for any stretch of time, you know the church has come through a little bit of a stretch of rough road as well. Remember that thing, that COVID thing? Remember when that was a thing? Or is it it's still a thing? Or kind of a... I don't remember. Remember COVID? We are just coming up on... What? We're just shy of three years. It was like March... March like 17th or 18th. It was breaking out. We were here and already on the news on a Sunday morning like the, the shutdown was coming. What do we do? We had the Bats family. The first time the Bats family, some uh, missionaries we support, they were up here and talking. Me and Tracy grabbed the elders. We go in this room right across the hall, and we're like, thoughts. In a global pandemic, we're all going to die. Okay, useful thoughts. And that's when Christ Community Church, uh, Church shut down. Right there, that service. That was the end for a long time until Tracy mastered the ways of technology and then set things up and then we're having church in his house over like Zoom and Facebook and stuff like that. And then boom, boom, boom. And then church kind of reopened, city kind of reopened. And then some people came back, some people didn't. We don't know what's going on. What does the church look like? What is Christ Community Church? What is, I mean, what is Christ Community Church was one of the most fundamental questions we were faced with. And we continued to struggle with that for several months up until the last several where we said, you know what? You know what Christ Community Church is? This here right now. Regardless of what it used to be, regardless of what it could have been if, if COVID hadn't come along, here is Christ Community Church. This is what we are. And what Christ Community Church is has not changed from before then. Before Christ Community Church, before COVID, back in the before times, what did we value? Children's ministry. We had people step up, and we have now been able to return to a place where we are offering children's ministry every week for the first three weeks of the month. Fourth week of the month, we didn't offer it before either because we wanted kids to be in here. We wanted kids growing up as part of a church. We value children's ministry. We've got children's ministry because God said this is important. And we said, yes, it is, and we continue to honor that. What else did we say before COVID was important? Student ministry. Does student ministry look like it did before COVID? No. You know why? Before COVID? For the life of me, I could not get people to show up at all. I mean, literally, we would have, we had like on the, on the calendar, youth group every like Tuesday night 
for Wednesday night or Thursday night. Or you know, what? you tell me what night your children will show up, and I will, we will have it Thursday and then next Wednesday. And then we did Saturday mornings at McDonald's. We did Saturday mornings at McDonald's where I bought French fries. People wouldn't show up for French fries at McDonald's. Christopher showed up for French fries at McDonald's. Fair enough. There were more than a few occasions where I sat here on youth group night, 6.30, which is the start time. 6.45, which is Baptists rolling into the event to come to attend time. 6.55, I'm going, I don't think we're having youth group tonight. 7.05, okay, you know what? I'm canceling it. Are we back 100%? No. But I was just talking to John. John saw it too. Last youth group event we just had, there's some stuff that happened that that in here. I went, you know what? Let's go. I'm not going to make too much of it. I'm not going to make too little of it. What was the third thing we were always banging the drum about before COVID? Engagement with the arts community and the artists of Anchorage, Alaska. That's why we have invested in that. That's why we have created a space that can be used not just for us, but for other groups to come in. For us to be a place where we say, you know what, arts matters, and we are here to support it. Those three things prior to COVID were important in the life of Christ Community Church because God says, this is what I have established before. This is what I brought you to this place at this time to do. And at no point in time in the last several years did ever we hear God say, you know what? Change my mind. We're not doing that anymore. There were several conversations where we're like, um, so, so the kids thing and uh, the student thing and the arts thing doesn't, are you sure? Because it's sort of not looking like what I thought it might look like. Not looking like what I sort of expected when you said this is what we're going to do. you know what? There was nothing to say. Because God said, I told you what we're going to do. And that's what we're going to do. That's a little amen. You want to know big amen? Here's big amen. And remember, this is about you. I'm not being really about you. Remember, God brought each of us here to this moment at this time for God brought you to be part of this community for a reason that was not necessarily just about you. And don't get me wrong. If you if you are in the midst of your rough road, you're just coming out of your rough road, you need a place where you can heal and you can be nurtured and you can have people come together around you and you can say, we've got your back, we're here for you, we support you. How can we help? How can we build you back up? How can we strengthen you? What can we do to serve you and extend to you the love of Jesus Christ? This is the place. But once that healing has taken place, once that nurturing has been taken in, once that restoration has sort of set in, there comes a point. This is not a tit for tat. This is not a pay to play. This is a this is how it works in God's kingdom. There comes a time when we go, you know what? I served, I've been served, I've been known, I've been loved, I've been strengthened, I've been restored. It's time for me to step up and give back. God, you brought me here, you nurtured me, you helped me. What is it you would have me to do? Joseph saw all he went through with God so that God said, I brought you to this moment in time because there's something, something that only Consider, and, and I'm not going to tell you, 
It's not for me to tell you. It's for you to get together on your knees with God and say, what would you have me to do? I'm going to give you a hint. You fervently, honestly, sincerely get on your knees with God and say, what would you have me to do? What is it you brought me to Christ Community Church to do? If you hear something that sounds like nothing, double check, because that's not how God works. God does not bring people to be part of the community to take from the community and not give back. God has assigned things for you to do from before the foundation of the world. Before you were born, God had something he intended for you to do. And, okay, I'm, I need to, it is so easy to think that the church has a lot of different objects. Education, buildings, missions, holding services. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ. To make them little Christs. That's what Christian means, a little Christ. Remember? Remember Mini-Me? Remember when that was a thing? Some of you are way too young. You have no idea what Mini-Me? And how creepy that was? I mean, honestly, Vernator was it was creepy. God intends that you could be a Mini-Christ. If they, that is us, if they are not doing that, making little Christs, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. It is even doubtful, no, 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 no. God became man for no other purpose than to make little Christs. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. See that again. All was established for the sole purpose of making little Christ. All of this established for the purpose of making little Christ. Ministry to children, ministry to high school students, ministry to the arts community, who in many ways, artists feel like they have to choose between church and the arts. Like somehow you cannot be a passionate artist or writer or dancer or vocalist or musician, and be a Christian. Like somehow there comes a moment when you have to choose. All of this to say, we are here to help you become little Christs. And at no point, no point in the 10 years before COVID, no point in three years before COVID, no point seven months after COVID started, no point up to today did that mission for us change. And because it didn't change, the things we set in place all those years ago, those things we sat on like a seed or an egg, those things we were waiting to see bloom and blossom, those things we were going, God, when? I'm not putting a time on anything. I'm just saying it seems... As I said, people stepped up. People said, I want to help the children. I want to, I want to minister to the children. And we have children's ministry three weeks out of four every month. Maybe we reach a point where we have enough kids that we split groups by age. That's way down the road. That's not today. God said this is important. God's paying off on this. I told you, little seeds and weaklings can get stronger. This ministry to the arts community. And this is a breakdown of some things that have put out in email and newsletters and YouTube and social media. And if I go through this and you are completely unaware of it, give me your email address. Thank you. Please. April 6th. We're going to start. We've got a couple weeks down the road. April 6th, that's the Thursday, right before uh, Easter, at 
Rabbit Creek Church, there is going to be a contemplative Monday Thursday experience. A, a consideration of the Holy Week that led up to Jesus' arrest in the garden. There's going to be prayer. There's going to be stations. There's going to be tactile, sensory experiences you can walk through. Very much like, uh, we haven't done it in a long time, but if you ever remember us having done a prayer labyrinth in here, it's going to be very much like that. It's going to be a wonderful time. Um, not sandbagging. Tracy and I will not be part of that because we will be in Zoom class. Uh, studying church history, but we have helped design some of it, and to promise you, it's going to be good. So, Rabbit Creek Church, Thursday, April 6th. Friday, April 7th, community worship, acoustic, contemplative worship right here. All these chairs going to be in big circles. We're going to have a praise team comprised of Christ Community Church and Rabbit Creek right here. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be calm. It's going to be mellow. It's going to be very Christ-centered. It's going to be beautiful to be part of that. Friday, uh, Thursday, uh, no, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of that weekend, completely sort of unrelated to the Easter festivities, right here, the Pipeline Vocal Project, a local three-lady acoustic group who has performed here before, who are outstanding, are going to be doing a performance right here. It's a fundraiser of some kind, I believe, correct? Yes. I don't remember what for, but I can get you that later. So that's Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 11 o'clock, Golden View Middle School, Christ Community Church, and Rabbit Creek are coming together to do a worship service for Easter together. Christ Community Church, this is not a chance to stay home. You need to show up and represent. I mean, I don't want to, like, have to twist your arm, but I will. You need to show up and represent. 11 o'clock. Easter morning. So all that happening, all this, this is not stuff we have designed. This is stuff God has brought together. May 2023, Men's Retreat. Spring 2023, a Broadway review show. Some of these, I'm going to give you exactly what's on my paper because that's all I have. Broadway review show. What Broadway review? I don't know who's doing it, where, when, how. I don't know. Talk to Tracy. But it's happening. That's an art thing that's happening. It's like God said, invest in the arts. God's paying off on the investment. Summer. Graceworks is going to be right back here. Between June and August, we are going to host, I don't know, somewhere between 40 and 80 missionaries in this facility every single week. And they're going to go out to parks around this community, and they are going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with children. With children. Like one of those investment points directed by God. Also, camp. Remember camp used to be a thing, and then COVID, and then face masks, and then like people are like, oh, I don't want to go to camp with face masks, and then face masks went away, and now camp is back, and it's big, baby, and you need to get your kids kind of signed up because you don't want to miss out on this. Fall, a 50s sock hop fundraiser right here at Christ Community Church. Um, I would imagine anybody who grew up Listening to 50s music is probably not in a position where they can sock hop. But, you know, for those of you that like nostalgia and retro stuff, maybe you grew up watching, like, Happy Days. If you grew up watching Happy Days, this is for you. Uh, if you've ever seen a movie directed by Ron Howard or starring uh, Henry Winkler, this is for you. So put it on your calendar when we have a date. Uh, also in fall, C3AK Family Camp. Out at camp. December 2nd, 2023, Tracy shared about this briefly. He's bringing up the group, Chosen Road. We're going to have them do a holiday concert where they're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ in Wilder Marshall Theater out on the UAA campus. That is something that we are not doing. That is something God is doing through us. That is something where years ago God said, this is the sort of thing I want you to invest in, and lo and behold, God is paying off on his investments. Little one, not on my list, but... See, over the years we, we've seen when God works, God, God doesn't come out of the blue. God, God comes into what he already told us to be doing. Tracy, you can just share a little bit about where you're going in March. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not going to spoil that. But all these things are not, not things we are doing. It is things God is doing through us. And if you were here this morning, God brought you here to be part of that. And so the question is, what is your part? If you hear all that and you say, there is nothing there I want to get involved with. Why are you here? Just like C.S. Lewis said, if we are not engaged in the work of God, everything we're doing is a waste. It's a waste of your time. If you are not intending to be invested in this place that God brought you to, in the work that God has laid out before you, if you see all that and you say, I want no part of it, why are you wasting your time here? There is nobody that God brought here to sit and watch and do nothing. And if all that I just read, you're like, I don't really see anywhere that, that I feel like I can, I can be a part of. You know what? You come to me. You tell me. And, and this is not sarcasm. This is not snark. If you see nothing on there that looks like it was meant for you, you come tell me where you think God wants you to be at work. Maybe you are that one missing puzzle piece I have not even thought about. And you come and you say, I, I feel like God maybe wants me to do this. And all of a sudden they go, yes! That, that was the one thing we were missing. Whatever it is, God brought you here. God brought you through the rough road. God brought us through a rough road so that we could be here at this time for his purposes. That is what it is to be Christ Unity Church. That is what it is to have God bring us down the rough road. It may be hard to see how the rough road fits in with God's vision, but God's vision always extends so far beyond what we can see. I'm going to prove it because that last thing is Exciting, and it is those things that just come along that you can't plan. When you, I have described it like this to people of late. It's like when the, the Israelites were getting ready to cross into the Promised Land, and they're standing at the river's edge. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Jordan River, but it's big. It's, it's not like it's, it's nothing to trifle with. And God told the, the priests with the Ark of the Covenant to just go down and step in the water, and He would work it out from there. And the instant their feet touched the water. God's hands pushed back and held the waters apart so that they could cross on dry land into the promised land. And that's what it's like to me often in these times is we 
pray, we talk with you, we seek counsel, we talk with one another, we seek the, the face of God, and he confirms things to us in circumstances and in our, in our spirits through the Holy Spirit. We begin to take a step. And then it's like these other things just start flying in alongside those, and that's very exciting to us. So I hope you're encouraged today. It, it was long, but I was engaged, and I appreciated every bit of it. And Jason, I love you, brother. It's good to do this together. I will say, I resonated with the whole baby of the family, what a good, because I have a baby in my leg right here that my older brother gave me when I was about seven uh, in the backyard, so I totally get it. Let's sing together. Praise the Lord on the way out, all right? Would you close this out? Uh, we're going to do the homeless care kits on the first Sunday of March, okay? So we'll uh, put some information about that uh, out. Get on our mailing list. If you're not, give us an email. Uh, we'll drop it tonight. Call or fax Rachel or uh, email Matt Chow back there. And we'll get all the info. But that's the first week of our next sermon series, which is the illustrated gospel. I don't know how we can illustrate the gospel better. And put together some kits to share with our friends in the neighborhood who are in need. So that's what we're going to do on that Sunday. That'll be our that'll be our message on that Sunday is demonstrating the gospel by caring for the needs of our neighbors around us. Obviously, this is something that interests people, helping out the homeless and people in need. Well, you know. Karen just showed me when I went and sat down on her Facebook feed today. It popped up. 2017, guess what Christ Community Church is doing? <laughs> on Sunday, it's doing homeless care kits. So, that's pretty cool. All right, friends, I'll invite you to stand with us one last time if you'd like. You're always welcome to take the posture that you uh, want to for worship. And uh, we've kind of gone back to the, the way back catalog with everything we did today. So, uh, this one is no different. Thank you so much for being here.